We meet today in Psalm chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 12. This psalm is a morning prayer, a cry of the godly in the time of great trouble. Psalm 5 is included in the section which forms a stairway between the two messianic psalms, Psalm 2 and Psalm 8. This group of psalms, beginning with 4 to 7, actually tells a story. They are, first of all, a picture of a personal experience of David. Secondly, they reveal prophetically the picture of the nation of Israel during the Great Tribulation period. Also, they have a very real application for us today, for they involve great principles. These Psalms have messages for God's people in all ages and in all times. This is a Psalm written by David, and it has as its inscription to the chief musician with flutes a Psalm of David. You see, Psalm 4 was on a nignoth, a stringed instrument, and this one, nihiloth, is generally believed to have been a wind instrument, a flute. You see, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, set most of these psalms to music. Probably a choir also sang this psalm to the accompaniment of flutes. This psalm is sometimes called a morning psalm or a morning prayer, and it underscores the importance of daily devotional time. Much depends upon how we start each day, and what better way to begin the day than with a personal time of meditation, meeting God. An intimate fellowship demands communication. The breakdown of communication presupposes disruption in fellowship, as even shown in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Therefore, to enjoy fellowship with the Creator, one must make time to communicate with Him. God speaks to man through His Word, and we find that in Psalm 103 to 105, Psalm 119 verse 9 to verse 16, you see, God speaks to man through his word. Man talks to God through prayer and then listens to the divine response of God. One cannot live a spirit-filled life without daily direction and sustenance from God. Now notice how this morning psalm and how it begins. Here is Psalm chapter 5 verse 1. To verse 3. Psalm chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. Now, let me give a little different translation here. Give ear to my words, O Jehovah. Give heed to my meditation. Listen to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I pray, Jehovah, in the morning, 
you will hear my voice in the morning. I will come before you and expectantly look up. That is a wonderful translation. This psalm is a morning prayer. And in the morning, his voice would be lifted up to God. The morning is a mighty good time to lift your heart to God in prayer. Actually, this is where many theologians believe is the basis for meeting with God in the morning before you have started to meet all the other business of the day. Whether you, you are going to work, whether you are going to start on any project, even before you have met other people, meet with God because that sweetens the way you would meet with other people. Someone who has not prayed in the morning tends to be jittery even at work, tends to misunderstand what other people are saying, tends to develop conflicts with other people. And sometimes I have often been asked by my wife when I am a little edgy and a little jittery during the day, she would ask me a question, Asafa, did you pray today? And many times when I have been lousy in my prayer, I have found that to be true. And it is a wonderful reminder. Maybe you may need to be reminded when you are finding that you are not even going well with other people or you are getting a little hard with other people at work in your encounters, personal encounters with people. Find out, have you started with God? Here is Psalm chapter 5. Verse 4 to verse 7. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Now, a little different translation at this point, I think, will be very helpful for a better understanding even of this passage. For God, you cannot please wickedness. The evil man cannot dwell with you. The arrogant shall not dare to stand before your eyes. You hate all works of iniquity. You will destroy those who speak lies. The man of blood and deceit, the Lord abhors. As for me, through your great mercy, I will enter your house. I will fall down facing your holy temple in fear. Now, we know from the scriptures that God is a God of love who shows mercy to sinners. And we know that from Psalm 103 verse 3, Matthew chapter 9 verse 12 to 13. Yet the psalm declares that God also hates people who commit iniquity and wickedness. In verse 5, even in Psalm chapter 11 verse 5. Now, how can we reconcile these seemingly contradictory pictures of God? Well, again, here it is very important to know. When the Bible speaks of hatred, it does not mean the normal human reaction of retaliation or even getting even 
with people for the wrongs that you have suffered. Nor does the Bible mean a mad, irrational response to wrong or injustice. Rather, biblical hatred describes a studied expression of anger rooted in a commitment to justice. God does get angry at sin, and that injures and destroys his creation, especially human beings made in his own image. So God will not tolerate that which violates his very good work. He will not. Remember when he created the universe, he said, Behold, it was very good in Genesis 1 verse 31. So anything that destroys or violates his very good work, God hates it. He does not tolerate it. But God's righteous indignation, his righteous anger, is not a fit of rage, a fit of anger. No, it is rather a careful considered application of a just disapproval and penalty against wrongdoing. So whenever God is even punishing or revealing his anger, it is not like it's not thought through. God will have thought through. God will have considered all the ways and then he deems this is the best way to make it right. It is a godly wrath against evil. Psalm 2 verse 5 and verse 12 talks of his godly anger against evil. Have you given God cause to hate you? If so, my friend, you need his forgiveness. His forgiveness is there. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And what about your own response to the wrongs that you suffered? With the Lord's help, can you find ways to react that are more like God's way than the human tendency towards retaliation, getting even vengeance? Will you even sit down and carefully consider application of a just disapproval and penalty against any wrongdoing? And sometimes when the Lord asks us to stop and think and calculate situations, he is wanting us to look into our own hearts to see that we are not also guilty of the same thing that we may be wanting to punish another for. You see, wickedness does not please God, nor will it please those who know God. Evil cannot dwell with him, for God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. That is what we read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Habakkuk said it like this, when the Lord told him that the Chaldeans were going to invade God's land. Habakkuk 1 verse 13, you are of pure eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. What a description of God's attitude towards wickedness. Wickedness may prosper for a time, my friend, but the day is surely coming which will bring destruction and eternal shame to those who practice lies and iniquity. God has made it very clear that there is a day of judgment coming, and evil is not going to prevail. 
God spells it out in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, which says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Have you ever thought about these sins that are being mentioned in this text? The cowardly, those who do not believe, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all of these sins seem to speak and describe any city in Africa, any community in Africa, and the whole world. Those who practice such thing, their place, their share, is in that lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. And the Bible describes it as the second death. Now, when I say these things, I may sound like an antiquated preacher referring to a passage like this. But believe me, my friend, that is the judgment of God which is coming upon this earth. Then there is the mention of the temple in verse 7. That verse has led some to reject the Davidic authorship of this psalm since David did not build the temple. Well, however, the word temple there, which is used, is hekal in Hebrew. It is also used for the tabernacle. The same word used in First Samuel chapter 1 verse 9, chapter 3 verse 3. Therefore, it can even be used even just for the tabernacle. Therefore, the context of the tabernacle is what was known by David as well. Psalm chapter 5 verse 8 to verse 9 says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Again, I would like to give a different translation here. You would say, Lord Lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. David is saying, my enemies are watching me. They want me to stumble and fall, but I want to glorify you. Therefore, David is praying to God that he will not let him stumble and fall, and that God will lead him. He prays, make your path straight before me. For in their mouth is nothing trustworthy. They are inwardly full of depravity. Their throat is an open grave, an open tomb. By the way, this is quoted also in Romans chapter 3 verse 13 by the Apostle Paul. They make their tongues smooth. They are gleam of tongue. They don't seem to know what the truth is. And they seldom tell the truth. In other words, the enemies that are coming against David, they have lies. They are believing a lie. Here is Psalm chapter 5, verse 10 to verse 12. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude 
of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Again here, I will give a different translation. It would sound something like this. Destroy them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgression. For they have rebelled against you. And all who seek refuge with you shall rejoice. Forever shall they shout for joy because of your protection. And they shall exalt in you and love your name. For you, Lord, will bless the righteous. You will surround him with favor as with a shield. Now, prayer is this man's resource and his recourse. When he looks at the wickedness all around him, he prays that guidance which will enable him to walk in a way that will not bring disrepute upon the name of the Lord. He prays for that guidance which will enable him to walk in a way that will not bring disrepute upon the name of God. In verse 10, the psalmist asks the Lord to destroy the enemy. This is the first imprecatory prayer recorded in the Psalms. Later on, I will have time to develop that same subject. There are certain prayers that David prayed where he asked God for justice. He asked God to intervene and bring judgment. Some of them are very harsh. Isaiah prayed that way in Isaiah 64, verse 1 to verse 2, when he said, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. You see, he was asking God to judge. Judgment must fall someday upon the transgressors. Scripture makes it very clear that God will take vengeance. He said, vengeance is mine. The Lord Jesus, you remember, told the parable concerning the widow who took her case to an earthly judge saying, get justice for me, for my adversary. And he will not for a while, but afterward, he said with himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he be as long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. This is from Luke chapter 18, verse 3 to verse 8. And so David in his day prayed for vengeance. For a Christian to pray these prayers during these days of grace, I think that would be absolutely sinful. You say 
You don't mean that? I certainly do mean that. This is where I think a proper interpretation of scripture is essential. There are many people who want to get rid of this portion of the word of God. Well, there are even people who say that this is not even God's word because it is no expression of a Christian today. Well, who said it? Who said it was? This is going to be for God's people during the great tribulation. So this passage of scripture applies to that great tribulation period. In that day, these people under the law will pray this kind of prayer as they did in the past under the law. And God intends to hear his people and he intends to bring vengeance upon their enemies. We are to do things differently during this age, however. In Matthew 5, verse 44, we read, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, this is difficult to do. I will accept that. But that is what the Lord asked us to do. In Romans 12 verse 19 we are told, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So God says that he will take care of any reprisals. When we get hit in the nose, it is human nature to want to hit back. But when we take matters into our own hands, we are not walking with God by faith. God wants us to trust him to take care of our enemies. This is why it is not that easy when people say just following God is easy. It's not easy. It's going his way. When the Lord Jesus Christ was here on earth and was so brutally treated, he did not strike back. He wants those who are his own in the church today to take the same position. But God has said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. God intends to take care of it someday. And so take heart. This is a marvelous psalm. What a comfort it will be to God's people in the time of severe persecution. It brings comfort. Find comfort in this psalm, my friend. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.